the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Woogie man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We're ready to go or what? Uh, okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Sure, he, he may not want to have anything at all to do 
All right, this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And today on the show, oh, we are in for a doozy. We welcome in the legendary WWE Hall of Famer, the one and only Jake the Snake Roberts, returning to the two-man power trip after a near four-year absence away from the two-man power trip of wrestling, doing a lot of big things, and joining us to talk about his brand new show, the Dirty Details Tour, as Jake the Snake is starting to tour around the world yet again and bring you some of the inside stories with a little bit of laughter and a little bit of the Snake Man, the uh, the old trust me involved in his stage show as well because uh, the stories are there, the uh, the personalities are there, and again, when you got Jake the Snake Roberts, you never know what to expect. And in this interview, I got to say, John, we had a hell of a time with Jake the Snake Roberts, a little bit different than when we had him the first time four years ago, where we had him for about six minutes. We were green as goose shit, and we were rushing like a motherfucker, and we managed to get that done at that point, and now welcome him back four years later, triple the amount of time compared to what we had, and it was a lot of fun to get the Snake Man back on the airwaves. Yes, definitely. I mean, so much obviously longer. I mean, about ten times longer the interview, which is just awesome. But you know, it's awesome to kind of get him long form rather than kind of being in the atmosphere that we're in and kind of rushing and everything else. Um, and like you said, being a little bit green at that point. But this was great because not only do we get to just kind of just talk to him about a myriad of topics. We got to just get into certain favorite topics of ours, you know, being big time wrestling fans for 30 plus years. I mean, do we have so many memories of Jake the snake, different spots, different territories, different storylines, different angles. And you kind of bring it up right away. The Ricky steamboat angle, which is definitely just an unbelievably awesome feud. DDT on the concrete. I think so many people remember, so many people remember kind of the chemistry, kind of the back and forth between those two. One is like the consummate good guy. The other is kind of like the consummate bad guy you can't really trust. He's that snake that you, you know that they warned you about, basically. So, you know, that was really, really cool part of it. I really enjoyed kind of getting into it. But, you know, with Jake... I loved when he turned heel and the, the trust me stuff. And I know we're talking about him being a, steel, a heel versus Steamboat, but I mean the second incarnation of when he turned heel after he was babyface for a couple of years in the WWF, when he kind of uh, had the Cobra with with the Macho Man, and that whole feud was awesome. And obviously, he ended up feuding with the Undertaker as well. But the the whole thing, the whole dynamic with him, and you never kind of figured him out he was always kind of mysterious it's always like man why this guy doesn't yell in his promo he's just very very calm and he, he doesn't really get high he doesn't really get low he doesn't get upset he keeps it very even keel and that's kind of very scary especially when you're a younger fan he's like man what, what is this guy all about they call him jake the snake he's got these snakes now he's got this cobra i mean it's kind of like this is a freaky dude scary dude he's a monster of a man and and you know he's got the deadly DDT that he already killed Steamboat with at one point years ago, and he just you know, knocks everybody out with the DDT. It's like, man, this guy is a scary guy. Then you throw in the fact that he keeps telling you to trust, trust me, trust me, and it kind of just obviously makes you think like maybe I should 
didn't trust him. And it kind of just messes with your mind a little bit. And that was the beauty of the Jake the Snake character, which we do talk about a lot in the interview, the emotions that go into it. It's not just with a lot of today's wrestling where it's high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, move, 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 and no, you can't move. With Jake, you were so invested in the the emotion and the stuff that he made you feel and the stuff that he would do that would kind of like really get you thinking. It's like, man, this guy is you know, really thought out, really methodical. So just kind of an awesome. And it's awesome to get to talk to him about that. And he really goes in depth into being that emotional character and being Jake the Snake and, and really, really pulling it off. So I just loved it. And, and one of my favorite views of all time, like I mentioned, obviously, is that feud from 91, 92. Short feud. Wish it was longer because it was so damn good. But Macho Man versus Jake the Snake. And Chad, I know you love that feud as well. Oh, my God. I love it. And just as you're talking about it, I'm visualizing a couple of those moments. And, and we reference them. I mean, how can you not? I didn't even really want to go to that topic specifically because that is the focus of the Dirty Details tour. I mean, they're really they're using that as the picture. But I wanted to go back into the vault a little bit further and talk about his heel versus heel match from Savage in 1986. But you have to talk about it. I mean, so we're talking about Saturday night's main event where he's going to nail the first person who comes through the curtain. And looks like it's going to be Elizabeth. And what does it do? It leads to the face turn of The Undertaker. And you think about the Tuesday in Texas, the intensity of that match. And, I mean, seeing Jake lay Savage out with DDTs and the you know the short arm clothesline and the crowd is ooing and ah with everything and... It's just a fight, and it was so intense. And at that point, we got to love Jake the Snake for so many years, and now we had to hate him because he was basically killing the Macho Man. And it was just so intense that looking back, I mean, I, I was visualizing everything as you're talking about it. Um, and that 91, 92 Jake is like it's on another level of heel psychology and heel demeanor and heel attitude and heel actions and. You know, we can we you and I reference it all the time in the late great Mean Gene. We think about the platform interview where Jake's going off ripping on the Macho Man, and Mean Gene just turns and says, "You're a sick man, Jake Roberts." And that is what I kind of think about with that '91, '92 uh, Jake Roberts character. But you got to mention it, and this is why I know we were kind of stewing, waiting to mention it. But I talked about very briefly WCW the the run after the Trust Me Jake the Snake spin the wheel, make the deal. I was surprised to hear how much he doesn't like that run because we love those commercials, the spin the wheel, make the deal pay-per-view commercials, but he did not like that, uh, that little tenure. Yeah. For whatever reason, obviously he didn't like it. He didn't like the match. You know, that that's kind of a, a separate deal, which I get into in a second, but the buildup to it was awesome. Anytime you throw Jake, this thing, Robert into WCW kind of as out of nowhere, as a surprise came out of the crowd at that, Sting and, and basically set up uh, what you know what could have been just a legendary great feud, but the build up to it was so cool. I was like, oh my god, the stakes and WCW as a whole kind of you get raised up a little bit when you got a guy like Jake the Snake Roberts that shows up on your TV program. So that was just so cool. I remember like, wow, this is really gets my attention here. Oh my god, Jake Roberts came to WCW, texting the top baby face at the time, and it's setting up this match for Halloween Havoc. So, of course, the commercials are great, and they're friggin' legendary. I mean, it's been the wheel make the deal. He's at his all-time, you know, most psychological and, and just kind of messing with your mind at this point. And the commercials are so cool and just so well done. 
then you get to the match, and like he says, he hated it. He was never climbing that pole. Why is it a coal miner's glove match on a pole? I mean, I kind of uh, have to agree with him on that. It should have been, especially because this is kind of, you know, this was a heated feud, and Jake was DDTing Sting on chairs and, and taking him out and beating him up and stuff. So you got to kind of build it up into a better match and more heated match. And anything on a pole, especially with that kind of feud, was going to be lame. And then, obviously, coal miners, well, that was kind of stupid as well. It could have made it into something different. Obviously, whoever booked that, whether it was Bill Watts or what, that definitely, definitely did not turn out the way it should have given the build-up to it on those commercials for Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal, were basically a home run. Oh, my God, yeah, they're so legendary. Go back and watch them if you've never seen them or if you haven't seen them in a long time because they uh, they still kind of hold up. They got a little bit of the cheese factor, but still nobody was doing that at that point in the early 90s. And WCW, with some of those commercials, the production value that they had behind them with Turner, I mean, that was uh, that was revolutionary at the time. And you still get that spin the wheel, make the deal, spin the wheel, make the deal. So if you want to make the deal, head on over to Jake's Twitter. It's at JakeSnakeDDT. You'll get all the information about the Dirty Details Tour, Tales from the Pit. And it's a night of comedy, wrestling stories, Q&A, and see when it's coming to your town. Obviously, we got the big WrestleCon season coming up, and Jake is always going to be very heavily involved with those dates surrounding WrestleCon, so I'm sure there'll be stuff popping up if you're going to be in the area for WrestleMania, but you're already making your plans to be around the area of WrestleMania for our show, Mark Out at the Meadowlands, which is taking place on April 7th at the Meadowlands Hotel, featuring a football meets wrestling theme. We just announced two uh, two guests that are very tied into WrestleMania, not necessarily uh, wrestling and football, but we just announced the great King Kong Bundy and WWE Hall of Famer. Greg the Hammer Valentine joining a list that we've got of Hall of Famers, football great, uh, college football great, West Texas wrestling stars. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So head on over to matmcon.com and uh, make your plans to join us today. And also head on over to tmptofwrestling.com and you'll get all the information for TMPTCon 3, the Midnight Express 35th anniversary featuring Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane and the Rock and Roll Express and a nice little uh, addition that we're adding here in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for that and really appreciate all the support and we will see you guys on the road. So John, let's wrap it up in a nice little package. Let's stuff it in our snake bag. Let's throw it over our shoulder and let's get it on over to the one and only Jake the Snake Roberts. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. 
And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, a former NWA Mid-South and World Class World TV Champion. Of course, we're talking about WWE Hall of Famer, Jake the Snake Roberts. Trust me, 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 trust me. WWE Hall of Famer, class of 2014, so synonymous with the legendary years of professional wrestling, a guy who we did get a chance to talk to a few years back, but for just a couple of minutes, and it is just an absolute pleasure to welcome back into the two-man power trip of wrestling, the one and only Jake the Snake Roberts. Mr. Roberts, thank you for joining us. No problem, guys. We're looking forward to it. Oh, you can't believe it. we had you for like six minutes in 2015, yeah. and we never we didn't even scratch the surface of what we wanted to talk about. But it's just it's it's really cool to have you back now, especially that we're going to be talking about the Dirty Details tour. And when I hear Dirty Details and I hear Jake the Snake, oh baby, that intrigues yeah. that that intrigues the hell out of me. It should because uh, it's everything you could expect and a lot more. It's um, all the things you were afraid to ask Jake the Snake Roberts, and you're finally getting to ask him. <laughs> These kinds of shows, especially for you, they seem like they're they're just an absolute joy for the old school fans because, like you said, yeah, all the questions you want to ask. I could sit here all night and think of you know two topics we can spend six and a half hours on. Uh, but looking at just the promo- just looking at the promotional material, I mean, you see the iconic moments. You know, I think of Jake the Snake, my first memories are Ricky Steamboat's head bouncing off of the concrete. (laughs) I think of stuff like that now. And I see the Macho Man and the Snake Bite, which is the stuff of legend. But when I remember Jake the Snake and the Macho Man, my first thought is your first match in 1986 that you guys had that I don't know. I think your, your feud superseded how great that match was at the time. Two heels going at it. Yeah, that was uh, unexpected for a lot of people, you know. They didn't uh, see that happening. I I remember that night really well because uh, Hogan was off doing a movie and uh, Vince and uh, the gentleman from NBC, uh, Eversol, called us in a room and said, hey, guys, uh, you guys are going to be on longer than anybody's ever been on Saturday Night Main Event. 
and uh, this is the first time we've ever done it without Hogan. We just want you to know this. If the numbers drop when we go to commercial break, chances are you'll be winding back up at Poughkeepsie Wrestling for some minor league promotion. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed. I laughed, but Savage went freaking nuts. Oh, brother, we got to do something spectacular. We got to do something that we expect. We got to do I'm like, dude, just lighten up, man. He's like, what are you talking about, lighten up? I'm like, Randy, we just need to do what got us here. You know, don't change and go off the wall with some, you know, fly by the night, see your past thing that may or may not work. Let's just go with what got us to the dance, man. That's what smart people do. And man, he argued that point. And, uh, I remember that match really well, man, because the first five to seven minutes, I basically just had to block block everything <laughs> he was throwing because he was throwing some taters, man, right and left. He was zinging them in there. He was pumped up. He was going for it all at once. Right, you know, right there in the beginning, he wanted to go for everything. I'm like, no, we got to make him wait. My God. And I finally blew him up. And uh, then he settled down. Once he blew up, he was fine, man. He uh, he got back to work in the match, and everything was great. I, I remember one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten in this business was uh, his father approached me in uh, Tampa one night and told me that was the best match of Randy's career by far and thanked me for uh, putting it out there. And that, that was a hell of a compliment, man. I mean... I myself, I, I never graded my stuff, you know, and um, I just wanted to have the best match I could, you know, at the time. And that doesn't necessarily mean going out and doing a bunch of crazy stuff, because it didn't. <clears throat> it just meant going out and, and putting together a great match. And to have an old-timer like that come up and tell me that, it really made my day, my year, my career, actually. Oh, that's great. And for the uh, reference, if people haven't seen that, You've definitely definitely seen the clip of Jake in the shower with Damien beforehand, and Mean Gene coming in and getting your words. And, and back back then, we didn't know what was going to be on Saturday night's main event. You basically had to tune in to see. And when you saw literally two of the the most hated guys that were basically on the rise at that point, and it was almost like a, right. jo- a jockeying. Was it? Did they use it as a test to see which one of you would end up going babyface? Because not so, you know not shortly after that, you did. No, I don't think so. I think it was just uh, they were searching for something that was going to get the people's attention, you know. And, uh, you know, they could have put something together that uh, would have had two guys that had something going on with each other at the time. And they could have done a lot of different things. I mean, you had the, at the time, the greatest talent ever assembled was there. And uh, to be chosen in that position to, um, you know, take the flagship and go with it, man. See if you can carry it. And uh, tell us out there, it was, it was a great compliment to our, you know, to our ability. And I really, really appreciated it. You know, it was a crazy moment. You know, and with you doing a couple different versions of the stage shows and getting a chance to be there in front of the fans, and you've done them at the wrestling cons and, and all the different comedy yeah. venues, you know, I'm just asking this, but it, it would be interesting to get your take on it. Is the Macho Man snake biting incident the most talked about or most asked about topic of your career at yeah. this point? Yeah, I think of anybody's career. I mean, the people ask other guys where were they when that happened. 
you know, for crying out loud, man, that's the most iconic moment ever in professional wrestling. I can tell you. Frank's right up there with Hogan slamming the giant, man. I mean, you know, you think about that moment at the time. But uh, that snake bite, Randy, man, it scarred a lot of people. (laughs) Proudly say that. You can, I and, and I could just 100% agree with you because I could go back to being, you know, a 10, 11 year old kid watching it and thinking to myself, sure. like, my God, I hope that snake has been oh devenomized. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're probably crying, squeezing your, squeezing your Randy doll. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was squeezing my Jake. I was squeezing my Jake wrestling buddy, saying, how could yeah, he, how right. could, how could he I'm do this? Yeah, right. You're probably punching the hell out of it. That's what you're doing. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of people tell me that that's the moment that um, stands out the most loudly. Stands out there the most loudly. That that moment there was just a shocker. And it was, man. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, to this day, if I'm having struggling, you know, at night with my lady or something and things aren't running along smoothly, I just pop that DVD in, man, and watch that snake get up and bite him and shoot, man, I'm good to go now. You know, I get excited all over again. Man, it, <laughs> it made the blood run, you know, to the right spots, man. It was a hell of a, hell of a joke, man. And it was, a, it was really funny cause I couldn't get the snake off of him. It wouldn't let go. And they sent, uh, Ronnie Piper down and uh, Elizabeth down. Instead, get that damn snake off of him now. I'm like, man, I'm trying, you know, and I kept trying to spread his mouth. And I finally got my hands in there and got his mouth spread so Randy could pull away. But yeah, it was a great, great moment, man. Led up to it and a lot led up and a lot followed it, you know, in years to come. Oh my gosh, just at the aftermath with the Tuesday in Texas match and the carnage yeah. that was. And then, my yeah. God, I mean, again, I get to put myself right in front of the TV at a 10, 11 years old. Uh, you're going to hit the first person who comes through the curtain with the chair leading yeah. to the babyface yeah. turn of The Undertaker. I mean, it's this kind of right. stuff. We're sitting here in 2019. We can recite this like it just happened. And that, to me, is the beauty oh, yeah. uh, of the golden age of uh, professional wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, something that's teach with people. It, it all goes back to the thing that's been proven. You know, in yesteryears, we hooked you emotionally, you know, to the product. And we carried your emotions with us, and we worked on your emotions. You know, today, it's all visual. You know, it's all, you know, lightning bolts and smoke and mirrors and crazy stuff that's what they go for now they want that quick buzz that quick jolt but they got to have one after another and that's what happens when you go with visual excitement your brain gets it and uh takes it and runs with it and it's over in a split second that now the brain's ready for something new but we we hooked your emotions sort of like an old john wayne flick come on you know john didn't jump up and down and fly through the air hell no man he just you know, did did what John Wayne does, man. Kick somebody's butt. And you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, and, and obviously you always were rooting for John Wayne, and you never expected John Wayne to tell you to trust him and you not trust no. him. <laughs> like, no. Oh, God, no. Can you imagine if John Wayne had turned heel, man? Oh, my God. He'd be like, somebody would have killed him. If he had, you know, turned heel and, uh, you know, did the squint eye things and become Japanese through some magical mirror or something, man, the people would have killed him, man. 
you kidding me? Everybody in America loved John Wayne. <laughs> that would have been the greatest heel turn of all time. Yeah, that would have been. And I don't think they ever want to talk um, about that role where he uh, he played the, no. Chinese, the Chinese. They don't want to talk about that anymore. That's not a PC no. uh, in this no, day, know, day and bro. age. <laughs> I know, man. It's funny, though. I've seen that, and just it's, it's hilarious to watch. Oh, God, really? Oh, my God. So now, J- back then, they did. They, you know, they depended on you know on what you're doing out there. You can, anything happen as long as you believed in it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jake, has there been one city that you've stopped in so far that you've you've been to on either one of your past tours or this coming tour that you know kind of stands out to you that you know maybe you didn't think that they were going to be as uh, you know ready for the the unspoken word or the dirty details? Has there been one right. city that stood out to you? Well, I tell you, man, all of them have been standing out, man. It's just I'm really over-the-top happy how this is all coming together and how it's been working. You know, this is something that, you know, in most instances, you would have several people promoting it, several people working behind the scenes trying to get it up and going, but that's not it at all. It's my daughter. My daughter's been doing all the booking. She's been, you know, putting it all out there, man, and then I just go and show up, and then People are showing up to see me. It shocks me sometimes. I mean, go into some of these smaller venues, you think, well, let's see how many show up tonight. And by the time the show starts, the place is packed. You know, and uh, they're ready. They're fired up. I've not had one group of people that came out there and sit on their bus, man. They were all moving around and uh, talking and, and, and ready to get with them, man. Really. And they've been very respectful. They haven't interfered in the show in any way. You know, sometimes people will get loud and they they start wanting to be in the show, if you will. You know, if you know what I'm talking about. And they want to distract and yell out stuff, you know, at the inappropriate times or whatever. And they can really tear up a show that way because you're distracting from the main focus. And, uh, you know, the fans have been absolutely wonderful. They've supported it. And I'm going to keep doing it, man, because uh, the great thing about it, is that, you know, I wrestled for 36 years, so I probably got quite a bit of material stashed, you know, Hmm. here and there and everywhere. And uh, it kills me now. I'll go out on tour and we'll get to some town and and I'll be driving through the town or something. And I was just like, wait a minute, this is the town where this happened or that happened. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot about that time, you know? And and something fresh comes up and then I got another story to tell. So it's a blast because the people get to ask questions. You know, I open it up for Q and A, and we let people ask questions and stuff. And uh, I like doing that. You know, I, I hate this old written script thing, man, where you follow the script. I, I never follow the script. I never have. I never will. You know, I do what I feel like is the right thing at that moment. You know, to, to get the people where they need to be. You know, I don't want them to, to go crazy in the very beginning. I want to build that up and, and let them jump up a little bit, then bring them back down, then take them for a ride, man. You know, I, 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 I say this masturbating people's emotions. Yeah. And that's basically what it is, man. You just keep taking them to the edge. Don't let them pop yet. Not yet. No, we're not ready for them. Just give up, throw up their arms and go, oh my God, that's it. I can't take it. We don't want that till the end, you know, and, uh, it's fun doing it, man. It's a blast for me because uh, I get to see their excitement. I get to see their reactions. And uh, I get to see their smiles, man. And uh, 
it never fails. You know, uh, uh, since I've gotten sober, I'm always running into people that have seen the movie, you know, the resurrection of Jake the snake. And, uh, you know, it touched them in a way. And, and I've met a lot of people that the movie has helped. I've met a lot of kids and, and younger people that, have, you know, so now I understand what happened with my dad or what happened with my grandfather, you know, well, I hope that doesn't happen to me. So I'm going to step away from it right now. And it's, it's also strange, you know, talking about, you know, alcoholism, which I do in the show and, and talk about the rough trip I had with it. And, and you see people slide their drink back and they're not going to finish that drink. They had enough. They think, you know what? That's the way I used to think too, you know, and uh, it, it's pretty amazing. It really is. Now thinking about you and, and kind of doing this tour and, and mm-hmm. being able to get up there and speak, you have one of the greatest minds ever in the history of the business and the psychology yeah. and, you know, the way you yeah. cut promos, everything. Where does that come from? Like, how do you get, because it's, oh, it's like nobody hasn't been able to capture kind of what you were able to yeah. capture. Well, I've got a theory on it. And I, I hate to even bring it up, but you know, my theory is when you're a kid and, um, you get handed some rough cards, you know, to play and there's some ugly things that happen early in your life. And, uh, you have to deal with that stuff. And, you have to learn how to read people, you know, you have to, you know, your, your life depends on it, you know, I mean, you know, if you behave a certain way, what's going to happen, you know, and I had to learn at a young age, man, how to read people, how to, uh, how to lie, you know, I had to learn how to lie, man, to manipulate people because, you know, my ass was on the line, man, whether I was going to be molested or beaten or whatever, you know, and, uh, I think when you go through those things early in your life, you learn so much so fast. And uh, then later in your life, you can rely on that and, and build anything. You know, uh, I, I, I've never been one to, to sit down at a desk and try to beat something out of a typewriter or out of a keyboard or anything. I've been the type of guy that would take a walk. And uh, things would just come to me, you know, when I put my head on it, things would just start coming in at me, different different ways to get to a point, different ways to get to the end of the road, you know. It's not just the street highway. There's You can go over the mountains. You can take the tunnel. You can go by water. You can go by air. All these different ways and all these things come at me so quick that I just reach out there and pick them out of the air, basically, and stick them on paper. Uh, where does that come from? I think it comes from growing up so fast and having to, uh, you know, try to manipulate a person that was hurting me, you know, and um, I really believe that. And um, I don't want anybody to to wish that on anybody because you don't, man, because you really messed my head up, you know, and uh, I still struggle with some of those issues. And uh, Hopefully I'm... uh, reaching the age now that I've accepted a lot of it and it is what it is, but you know, that don't always work, man. There's some stuff that get by, you know, that just can't get rid of. And, uh, it's just terrible to, to abuse any child, you know, whether it be me or anybody else, man, but it leaves scars that run really deep. And, uh, you just try to make the best out of things, man. I think I take in a lot of those memories and, and hate, put those in my 
routines and, and my way of life and the way I wrestled and, uh, you know, played a tough game, you know, mm. uh, I've been very successful at it. You know, I don't look back and say, wonder what if, you know, what if this had that, what if that had that. No, I don't do that, man, because, uh, I don't think there are many people out there that could say they've had a career to match mine. I really don't. And, uh, no, I was never world champion, but no, I never needed to be world champion to be a star. You know, I was glowing pretty damn red hot for a long period of time. And that's the key right there. How long were you on top? Well, I was on top of this field of wrestling, man, for about 32 years. 30 years on top? Yeah, it'd be like Tom Brady being in Super Bowl at age 50. Well, that's not going to happen. I don't think there's many more Jake the Snakes left out there. But trust me, guys, don't try to grow up and be like me. Hell, I'd damn near kill me. So I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> Definitely not going to be another Jake the Snake, and there hasn't been too many. I mean, Jake said huge career what, what, what an icon when everyone anyone ever says jake the snake they know exactly who you are in your career but you know you never yeah, needed that world awesome. title you know you said no. you're never champion but you never needed it but at one nope. point they were kind of gonna have you feud with hogan but then it never happened was that really because no. you had too strong a reaction yeah absolutely people started chanting ddt ddt because they believed in that maneuver you know and rightfully so they just seen me kill steamboat with it Damn near killed him, and now they're going to go after Hogan, and you know I drop Hogan on the set, and my God, yeah, the guy's down, and uh, I split his skull too. You know that was one thing they just could not get through their heads. You cannot do that DDT on concrete or on a stage setting because uh, that that wood just don't give much. Hmm. <clears throat> The infamous Snake Pit, if you will, which was a great, great show. Now, the crowd was chanting DDT. Was that Hogan worried or that Vince worried that, you know, you may kill the Golden Goose? Vince, he just said, that's it. And he said, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Because I walked back through the curtain. He goes, stand right here. I want you to hear these people when they start chatting Hulk. And he's going to come to his feet and he's going to rip his shirt off and do all this and people are, you guys are going to make money for a long time, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, we waited and we waited and they hmm. started looking at each other and they looked at Pat Patterson. I don't know what's going on here. Well, then all of a sudden the people started It's slow at first, you know, DDT. And they started chanting DDT, DDT. And Vince looked at me and he goes, wow. Well, that's the end of that. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm not going to split my marketing up. And that was the whole thing. You know, Vince made money, made his money in marketing, not in wrestling shows. You know, the, the mm-hmm. stars were on, you know, we were on the road to spread the marketing out there, man, to get people to buy the marketing, to make us icons. He made stars out of so many people that, that sold so much, you know, so many billions of dollars did the marketing make. Not how many people were in the arena. Not at all. So, that was a very expensive lesson to learn. <laughs> Cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for for sure. Do you think Vince is a genius in that aspect, or, or is that kind oh, of no overrated doubt. a little bit? No, no doubt at all, man. He was so smart because 
Vince is smart enough to know that he's not the smartest man out there. He knows that there, there are people out there that are specialists in different things. And if you're going to have the best running machine, you got to get the specialists from all different parts. You know, you got to get the guy that, uh, you know, sets, sets the, the buildings up. You got to get the best of that. You got to get the best of everything. And Vince went out and bought the best of everything. He always has and he always will. You know, I just seen the thing tonight. I believe uh, his new football league's called the XFL, correct? Yes. Well, did you see tonight where they've uh, Bob Stoops, who is the coach at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. is uh, yep. going to be running the Dallas franchise, and uh, he's going to make a go of that. Don't kid yourself. You know, and uh, my, my belief that he will actually make a big go of it and the reason I believe that is because you got Ebersol's son uh, going to run with their money and try to do the same damn thing. So they both realize that there's room for another football game mm-hmm. out there. Yep. And that there's a different way to sell it. And you watch when Vince does it, it's going to have all the characters. It's going to be character-filled. It will be marketable people. People that draw that light to themselves, you know. These guys are going to glow at night, man. I guarantee you. You know, they won't need iridescent colors, man. They're going to be shining. Vince knows how to do that. And he gets the best minds available to do that. You know, by him signing Bob Stoops, man, that's a big, big coup, man. That's a big coup right there, bro. That is great. And, and kind of thinking like, you know, bringing the best talent available. And that's definitely what he did during the 80s. Do you think Absolutely. that's basically the, everybody's talent? Yeah. Greatest <laughs> talent roster ever was that 80s golden era yeah. WBF? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Without a doubt, man. He went to every territory and took the very best out of each place. And after that, uh, what was left? Well, he had WCW or Georgia Championship Wrestling. Well, what did he do? He bought both of those two, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Took what took it took the best of that. You know, the problem is today there aren't those places for guys to learn where we did years ago. You become a great wrestler by going to the same town every week and wrestling. Because you can't go out and do the same shtick every week. you got to come out with a different formula every week. So, therefore, you grow. You know, you learn, man. Because if you don't learn how to change yourself, you know, weekly, you're going to be looking for a job someplace else, man, because we can't have you. You know, I don't care how good you are. You had to be able to... You know, to, to grow and, and right there in front of these people and, and change and, and become better and, and not do the same match. And, you know, you went out there and wrestled. You let them see your character, not a bunch of high-flying stuff, Miss Miles and everybody's doing the same stuff. No, you couldn't do that. Could not do that. Because they see a couple of times and where do you go now? Mm-hmm. You had to have a character behind you. You had to have... A, that persona, you know, that, that marketable piece of gold that glows in you, man, had to be brought out. And Vince knew how to do it. And he hired the other people that could do it. 
And, uh, you know, hell, you know, I mean, you could have put anybody as world champion. After you beat everybody else, you must be the very damn best. Yeah, absolutely. And when we think about that, I mean, it was hard to knock it down as who who was the best because so many different guys were amazing talents oh, yeah. back in that day. I mean, yeah. all you got to do is put you in the ring with the Honky Tonk Man or Ravishing Rick Rude or Ted DiBiase. Yeah. And instantly, you guys were the main event on those shows where there wasn't a Hogan or there wasn't a Warrior. It was you guys. Oh, yeah. And I remember many, yeah, many of Madison Square Garden shows where it was Ted DiBiase versus Jake in the main event and those matches were they were long matches they were good matches and they were emotional but how much did it yeah. take for your opponent to be just as invested in that emotion as it did you being the guy who was portraying that to the fans well i think most guys they wanted to jump on the jake train anyway i mean dibiase for instance uh when we wrestled he never said a word you know, he, he let me guide the ship along and, and take us to where we needed to go. And most guys have been that way with me. They they let me run it, you know, and, uh, you know, that's just being smart. You can't have two guys out there that, that both want to run it. If you do, you're going to have a clusterfuck, you know, so to speak, man. Sorry about that language there, but you're going to have a mess. And uh, you got to have one captain and... Uh, the rest of the guys are just soldiers, man. They're following, and they're going to react. And uh, my job is to sell it in a, in a big way. And I always tried to make my opponents. You know, a lot of people don't know how to do that. But uh, I'm going to go to that ring, man. And if I'm going to lose the match, I'm going to make this guy look look good enough to beat me. If I'm going to win the match, I'm going to make him look like he's twice as good as I am because I don't want to beat a guy that I beat down. I want to beat a guy that had a clear, clear edge to him, you know, because that, that's what makes Jake better than everybody else was I would go out there and make my opponent, make my opponent a star. That way I beat a star. I didn't beat just Joe Blow, run of the mill, you know, popcorn carrier or anything. No, I'll beat a star every damn time. You know, and we look at a guy like DiBiase, but it's funny when you say Vince pulled guys from the territories, I see one territory specifically when I look at that WWF roster and I see Bill Watts' handwriting all over it when I see you and I see DiBiase and I see Hacksaw and you, even see, you see Butch Reed, you see Junkyard Dog. JYD. Yeah. If it wasn't for Bill Watts. One man gang. One man gang. Bill Watts and and that territory, there literally might not have been some of those stars getting to the WWF because you guys five years earlier were tearing down the houses, but we just didn't all get a chance to see it until everybody came up to Vince. Exactly. They didn't have the TV in the situation. That was the whole key. I mean, it's amazing nobody else caught on to that, especially when you had Georgia Championship Wrestling that was going out on 17 to so many places and the success that they had when they went all over the world. And they were they were stars everywhere. But Vince realized that and said, wait a minute, we got to make this, this thing you know, work worldwide. And, um, and my God, he, he answered so many bells, man, and so many deadlines uh, to make it. I mean, because he had to put it all on the line, man. He really, really did, man. People have no idea what he had to put out there. 
to uh, to make this thing work. I mean, it, it, I mean, it would scare anybody else to death. But uh, Vince is going to make it work, and I think he'll make this football thing work too. The the XFL, I think, right now it's the right thing at the right time because um, it's yeah. it seems like there was more thought put in than when they tried it the last time, and it kind of yeah. it died a slow death because I mean they rushed football along you know in a seven month span, and you can't do that, and you got to do mm-hmm. it the way they're doing it now, and uh, you know hey. It, I think anytime Vince McMahon throws a dart against a wall, how many times out of 10 does it hit a bullseye? You know what I mean? There you go. Exactly. Exactly, man. And uh, I, I never bet against Vince. Never do it. It's a foolish bet. Because uh, he's going to make it happen. One way or the other, he's going to make it happen. I mean, here's a guy that's going to take $500 million and put into that. Holy crap. That's <laughs> half of what he has. So that's what they say. Half. Well, I don't think I don't think there's many people out there that would do that. I don't know of anybody else that would do it, to tell you the truth. You can't take half of what I got. But hey, Jake, is there anything that Vince ever threw at you that didn't stick to the wall, something that you thought just absolutely wasn't going to work that uh, maybe he thought was going to be a little I mean, bit better? I made everything work with Vince, man. I mean, even the things that he didn't want to work well, I made him work, you know, I mean, like the bad news brown thing with the, the sewer rat. I mean, my God, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a possum spray painted black, you know, for crying out loud, you know. And then he sent us down south to run the program, which was funnier than hell. Hell, everybody in the south knew that was a damn possum. Wasn't no damn sewer rat. What kind of bullshit are you trying to throw, Vince? But. We went out there, and, and the thing with Bad News Brown was his knees were shot. You know, he was a hell of an animal at one time, man, but you take the wheels out of anybody, and you get a problem. And he just couldn't get up and down. He was supposed to get a run with Hogan, but he could not get up and down. You know, if you knocked him down, he was down for a while. So I just didn't knock him down, man. You know, Bill Watts taught me that. He said, you know, you never expose a man's weakness. No. You you show his strengths how amazing they are. You never even put a light on their weaknesses. Because again, you're building talent. You're building a star. You're building an opponent. I don't want to be booked in a building where I'm fighting a guy that's never wrestled and, and has no chance at all in wrestling and winning the match. No, I want some young guy that's an upstart, that's a muscle head or whatever. You know, that's got danger written all over him. That's a contest written all over him. That's what you want. And there's so many great things that happen. I mean, we're talking about Bad News Brown. I still enjoy that feud. Mm-hmm. The feud with Rick the Model Martell with the blindfolds. Oh, you, yeah. Somehow, you know, you made that work. Yeah, that was fun, man. Yeah, Rick didn't want to do it. He was scared to do it. He didn't think it would work. But go back to Bill Watts. We had a blind battle royal one night, man. Blind. Blindfolded battle royal. Oh my God, what a mess that was. Holy crap. <laughs> but it worked because guys were smart enough to make it work. You don't go out there and run across the ring and, and, and do just flailing. No, you, you point. You get people chanting and trying to help you direct. You're trying to get that edge. How are we going to get this to work? Well, you got to get the fans involved. That's what it's all about. Hell, I had it made, man. It was easier than hell. You know, that was an easy night. 
So as we start to wind it down, you know, you mentioned Bill yeah. Watts, obviously, you know, Mid-South, but also yeah. worked for him in WCW. You feuded with Sting. Uh, spin the wheel. Yeah. yeah, spin the wheel, make the deal, I think, is the thing that yeah. everybody remembers in those legendary commercials. Yeah. Yeah, great thing the commercials were good because that was it. <laughs> the match stunk, and so did yeah. the idea. You know, that was such a horrible thing to choose. What in the hell, man? You know, I'm not climbing no damn pole. What the hell? Are you serious, Bill? That's the best you can come up with? I mm. thought it was ridiculous. And the match was uh, one of my worst matches. Singh wasn't very uh, excited to wrestle back then. You know, he'd uh, he'd gotten tired of being the guy that everybody depended on bringing in the big house, and he was getting lazy because he had that contract, man. That's the bad thing about contracts, man. Guys get lazy. They get, hey, I'll get all that money anyway. That's the wrong way to look at it, bro. You know, those are the guys that hurt wrestling. You know, those contracts, man, they didn't go out there and put out. They didn't go out there and push it. He just went out there and did just enough to get by. Well, that's not how you do it. That's not how you wrestle. That's not the way I ever wrestled and never will. And same thing goes with these shows I'm doing now. I go out there and I gut it, man. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. But after an hour, an hour and 20 minutes out there on stage, man, I feel like I've been through a damn match hmm. because I'm using that energy, man. I pour it out. You know, I, I, I empty the damn bucket, man. There ain't much left. Whenever I get through the night, I have to get out of there, man, because I'm exhausted, about ready to collapse because I put put everything I can into it. That's, you know, that's how much I believe in it. So if the fans are coming out to see us, see me, just know that. Be sure and get there early because uh, I always have my meet and greets before the show because after the show, brother, I'm out of there, man. I'm dead. So get there early and get everything signed. You want to take the pictures, buy a T-shirt. We got those iconic T-shirts, man. Every T-shirt that I'm putting out now, I'm putting a special moment in it. And uh, people are going to love this idea I've come up with because they'll all be they'll be collectible T-shirts, no doubt. <coughs> but uh, awesome. we got some other stuff going too, man. I'm, I'm writing the book. It's almost done now. And uh, <coughs> I think I'm going to put it on the internet and see what happens there. Uh, I'm not going to give it away to some book company that's going to offer me some ridiculous amount of money to to have it. No, I'm going to put it out the way I want to, man. And uh, if I have to go door to door, I'll do that. But uh, so far, it's over 600 pages. So you're looking probably at a 700, 800 page book before it gets done. You know, I'm a hell of a a set of encyclopedias, but... I do go in depth into a lot of different situations and different things. I think you'll find it's probably going to be the best wrestling book ever written by far. That's what I intend to do. And, um, I think I've done it, man. It's, uh, it grabs a hold of you. It makes you want to read more and more. And, uh, I hope the people enjoy it as much as I did writing it. That is awesome. Can't wait. For that. <sighs> Does anything like your career? I mean, it's going to be great, but, you know, no, there's so much awesome, to man. say about your legendary career. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's so many things we didn't get to get into, but I mean, yeah. it's just Very too well big of a back. career. Yeah, definitely. We can go back to it as well. But when I no, think I of you, it. I think of like the the catalyst for so many big things to happen. 
Look at The Undertaker yeah. after, you know, after you feel yeah. Look at Steve Austin, the catalyst yeah. for Austin 316 yeah. and his thing. Yeah. What do you think, looking back, when people look at Jake the Snake Roberts, is going to be the lasting legacy on the wrestling business? You know, I don't know what to think about it, man, because I know I did have a big part in a lot of guys getting over. Uh, but that was my job. That was what I was supposed to do, you know, and uh, it, it, it makes me angry when I know there are other people out there that could have done a much better job of doing that for somebody that just didn't, you know, because they're selfish and because they're worried about their own talent or whatever reason. So I always have believed in myself and I've always wanted to put it out there and uh, entertain. And uh, that's what I'm still doing, man. And so grateful that uh, those guys, you know, they'll throw my name out there every now and then. And I appreciate that. I mean, hell, I know how they got over, and they do too, you know. Hmm. You know, especially Steve. You know, I, I launched him out of a out of a bomb, man, because uh, you know there were a lot of people who didn't believe in Steve Austin at the time, including Vince. And uh, I said, no, man, that's your next guy. And I said the same thing about Shawn Michaels too. Though, whenever he was in a tag team, I said, Vince, that tells your guy that's going to carry it for a while. He said, I don't know, Jake. I don't know, you know, and. Next thing you know, Sean's gone right through the roof, man, and uh, he's out there. But uh, I love wrestling, and that's my problem, because uh, I love it so much that I don't accept anything other than the very best. And guys that take shortcuts, I don't have any respect for them, so it gets me in a lot of trouble. It probably keeps me from having a job, but that's okay, because <laughs> I still look at the mirror, and I like myself, I like what I've become. Uh, especially now that I'm sober and clean, I'm happy, happier than I've ever been. And um, it's just an amazing feeling. I'm glad I lived long enough to get happy. I really am. And everybody can come see you out on the Dirty Details Tour. Yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts, it's our pleasure for having you on. But please, if you can, share with the listeners where they can find all that information on the Dirty Details Tour. I just come for the Twitter, man. Jake, the Snake, Jake at jakethesnakeroberts.com. You can go, come to the website or whatever we're, we're doing out there. It's all on Twitter. Uh, just, you know, jakethesnakeroberts.com. You know, and uh, on Twitter is just uh, Jake. <laughs> Get it done, guys. You find me if you want to. Hey. I'll, you guys take care. Jake, trust me. Everybody will love it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading. You are a sick man, Jake Roberts. Thank you very much. Because you see, Tuesday in Texas is not the end. It is not the beginning. It's not even the beginning of the end. Yet, the end of the beginning. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. well be the beginning of the end for him, Brain. Now, he sounded to me like he's a lot more confident than Macho Man. <laughs>